A family torn by partition, a tale of three sisters chronicling what freedom means to them, and India's independence struggle coming together in her new novel, marking a significant detour from her previous works on reimagining the world of mythology. However, one thread is common in all that she has done. Women narrating their saga not as victims of system for a change, but as those who take charge of their lives and politics. You're listening to News and Views, the Quint's podcast series, where we introduce you to some of the greatest minds across different fields through in-depth interviews. You can check out episodes of News and Views and all other podcasts by The Quint on our website or wherever you get your podcasts. I am Oindrisha, and today we are going to be talking to Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni. Hello, Chitra ma'am. Welcome to The Quint. Thank you so much. I am so pleased to be here in conversation with you. I really like the work you folks do. And Thank I think this is such an important topic to speak about what independence really means and perhaps what questions we should ask at this very important and special time. Absolutely. So Chitra ma'am, uh, tell me, so we are going to specifically talk about your book, Independence. How did this book really come about? When is that time that you actually felt compelled to write a book on independence or on India in general? Well, you know, for many years now, I have been really from the very beginning of my writing, India is always at the center of my books. I wanted to move forward to the time when colonial rule is ended and the British are thrown out of India. And that's when I decided I have to write this novel, Independence. And uh, I have a particular connection to this novel because my grandfather and my mother, my maternal grandfather and mother, who are both from Bengal, and uh, they told me a lot of stories about what happened around independence, what happened, how the partition was for Bengal. And as you know, there are many wonderful novels written about partition, but mostly from the Punjab side. But we in Bengal also went through a lot of heartache, a lot of deaths, a lot of families being separated. And I wanted to honor that as well. We also went through the terrible riots of Direct Action Day in 1946, which almost nobody writes about, and yeah. doing it all through the gaze of women, because that's always been my special thing. Yeah. In fact, you have kind of humanized, you know, certain characters from the mythology. When is it that you felt, you know, really, really compelled to explore all these mythological characters and give them a very modern um, rendition. So how did that come to be? Well, I think I was fascinated by these characters, even from childhood, because my maternal grandfather, who I was talking about earlier, was a great storyteller. And he also had an amazing library. So he would tell me all the stories of the epics. And then when I grew older, I would read from his library, Ramayana, Mahabharata, many other books. I was really interested to see how they were such powerful, interesting, complex characters. When I had to live on my own and I had to live an independent life and I began to ask myself, 
questions about what is, you know, what does independence mean for a woman? What kind of life should a woman be allowed and encouraged to lead? And then I started volunteering for the Women's Center at the University of California at Berkeley. And then I started volunteering with domestic violence organizations. And I think around that time, then my ideology became much more formed that I want to write from the woman's viewpoint and give her a voice. It's basically your tryst with independence. When you started doing independent living is also when these ideas kind of, you know, uh, accumulated into much, uh, you know, much firmer kind of plots and stories that you would probably like to tell to the world. But tell me one thing, does an author also fear, uh, you know, this prospect of being stereotyped? I quite embrace it. I am delighted to be known as a writer who writes about women and who, and sometimes, you know, people ask me, what, what, who is the audience you write for? And I always say, I write for women and intelligent men, especially in independence. I think the women uh, inspire many people and they change the lives of many men as well, which was true also of our independence struggle. We have forgotten today. We mostly remember the men. Coming from Bengal, I was told the stories of Matangini Hazra, who was one of the oldest people to fight, like age-wise, she was one of the oldest who fought in the independence struggle. She was older than Gandhi, right? He used to call her mother, and she died, you know, holding the flag and marching she, until she was shot dead. So I am very honored and proud to put women like this in the center of my novel. Right. So let's just try and uh, talk a little bit in detail about independence. It is the journey of three sisters, uh, Priya, Jamini and Deepa who play the protagonists. And uh, whilst we see partition playing out in the nation, we also see that partition playing out in the family life, in the family structure. So if you could just cast a little bit of light into you know, the journey that each of these characters kind of uh, venture into. The three sisters, Deepa is the oldest, Jamini is the middle one, Priya is the youngest. And when the book starts, they're just, you know, they're in their late teens, early 20s. And like all young women, they have all these dreams of their future. So in the beginning, they're this wonderful family. And then great tragedy will strike them during a direct action day. And they will have to take over the family. They will have to figure out how to survive. So it is the story of these three women. And in the course of the novel, they'll get separated, just like partition, as you mentioned. It had an effect on the nation, but it has an effect on the families. Deepa will find herself on the other side of the border trying to get back. And um, that, and Priya will go away to America to study because she, at that time, women could not get into medical college in Kolkata. And it is a book where I do want to ask uh, this question. In fact, I want the reader to ask this question. What does independence really mean? for a country and for its people and particularly for its women. Yeah. But you you mostly did your research and all of that from the stories that you have heard. But 
also otherwise you are you're a calcutta girl you're a bengali i was just reading that you're from presidency university that you have studied in presidency university so has there been instances where you have personally met a um, character maybe a batchmate uh, somebody in the college or you know while in during your college life that particularly fascinated you and uh, you know somebody who had a partition story to tell or confide unto you something of that sort my classmates would have been of my generation which is after after independence but they certainly had stories in their lives and quite a few of my classmates were from east bengal and had moved they had moved some of them many of them had moved their families had moved during partition so you know we talked about that how it was because they had heard from their uh, grandparents you know they they remembered those stories of having lost everything but then finding a new home and then creating a life all over again and in some ways it made them much stronger people because they had to fight so much but i remember those stories and i particularly remember their very lyrical descriptions of east bengal but i think i was most uh, touched by stories that my mother and my mother's friends told me because they had actually lived through that and they mm. were young women at that time but also we mustn't forget that there were wonderful stories of people saving each other from intercommunity stories of people going really out on a limb being very uh, allowing themselves to be in danger to save the lives of a person who was a neighbor or a friend and belonged to a different religion how much time did it take to kind of bring everything together collate and really materialize the book like our, it takes our... different different books take a long time i think the longest uh, it ever took me was when i wrote the palace of illusions because i really had to research not only the mahabharat but the times of the mahabharat and the culture in which the mahabharat is set so what were people wearing what were people eating you know what kinds of weapons did they really use so that took me a long time but you also mentioned very interestingly that you are very much influenced by some of the writers from bengal which i'm really interested to know whose works do you follow really closely or you are inspired by in general are, are the women writers mostly or do they also comprise no male? no i think uh, i read men writers and women writers a lot of them i read them all and of course i was grew, i grew up and my grandfather was a great reader of tagore he had the whole collected works so i grew up reading tagore quintessential so, bengali household very very stuff. and there's so much to learn from him i mean we cannot overrate him he's yeah. really and he was one of the first and early writers who really was very he was very very uh in tune with women and what women were going through uh, a book like the home and the world gauri baidi was very influential actually uh, for uh, this one oh. because it also talks about it's the story of a woman who decides well you know where do i fit in the outside world at that time also independence struggles are going on so that book was a big influence i also love the work of mahashweta devi because she is just so powerful and she's so woman centered 
And she is, I mean, she's very honest. She'll tell the truth like it is. Fantastic. But today, if you're talking about today's time, uh, you know, since you have dealt with a lot of these mythological characters and plot lines and etc. We see today in India, there's a lot of pressure on storytellers or creative people to really cater to one brand of thinking that or to align with one brand of thinking. So, for instance, you know, if there, there is a movie that has recently drawn a lot of flack because of the use of the GFX and the lines and all of that. Now, whether you personally endorse those lines or you like those lines are a different debate. But then we do see the the cuts of censorship coming in, you know, right at it and, you know, absolutely changing things and changing words and basically molding them into their something that they would prefer into, into one particular kind of vision into one particular kind of thinking which is also quote-unquote very nationalistic now what is this nationalism about and why does it really have to permeate into creative works for people to consume what are your thoughts on that well I feel that you know of course we want to be a strong nation but one of our great strengths has always been our diversity and we must not lose it. So it would be a pity if that went away and only one kind of voice could be heard. Because then where is freedom? Where is independence? I don't think that when Nehru created his very first council, on which he made it a point to have Hindus, Muslims, Parsis, Sikhs, uh, people of high caste, people of low caste, the uh, Dalits, he made yeah. it a point that that should be the that should be the group that governs India. Of course, we love our own religion, we love our own culture. I'm speaking as a Hindu, but that does not mean I need to put down other people. So I think that is the message that my book gives, and I hope that is the message that we will all carry forward. Right. But how are you? How how are you as as a content consumer? Are you a traditionalist when it comes to the way you would want to see these characters represented, or do you even uh, enjoy you know the the creative liberties that you know the film directors or the writers or the screen adapters? adaptators they might also integrate into it if somebody told me no you cannot write a novel in sita's voice because that's not how the original ramayana was then i would have been totally hobbled i wouldn't have been able to do a good job it depends on the attitude with which you bring your individuality into play i believe that we must have respect for the original stories and the original characters we must respect them and love them. And I truly do respect and love all of the characters in the Ramayana. And I never, especially when I'm writing a woman-centric novel, I don't feel that I have to put the men down. You know, Sita's greatness is Sita's greatness. It doesn't depend on putting Ram down. That's not the point. The mm. point is to enjoy, appreciate, admire the women. So I think because that was very much at the center of uh, Forest of Enchantments and Palace of Illusions. Luckily, 
there hasn't been any backlash because yes, I'm showing the greatness of these women, but not at the expense of the men. The men are fine. They're doing their thing. Sometimes writers or filmmakers feel they have to put down one side in order to show the other side to be better. And I don't agree with that. I feel that, that if the other side has its value, you don't need to put anybody down for that. I think generally I'm a positive person and I want to put out books in into the world that are positive. Yes, they will look at problems because if we don't look at problems, if we pretend the problems don't exist, we will never solve them, right? So I will look at the problems and I look at them very, very distinctly. You know, for example, uh, there is a scene and it's taken from the original Ramayana, although we've forgotten it, where Ram says to Sita, after he wins the battle in Lanka, he says, okay, now I've liberated you, but I can't take you back to Ayodhya because, you know, you've been uh, captured and you've been kind of defiled. And Sita says, is it my fault that Ravan uh, took me away? Is it my fault that I was abducted? How is it my fault? Why should I be blamed for something I had nothing to do with, that I did not encourage or allow, it was done to me. And that is the whole story of victim shaming put right over there. And it's such a modern issue. The Pariksha thing comes across as a very regressive mindset, regressive and patriarchal, so to speak. When a yes. woman really has to go through that litmus test of her purity. I mean, yes, four things that she didn't do. Now, even the whole Agni Pariksha, what people don't realize is that there is no Agni Pariksha in Valmiki's Ramayana. Okay. Mm -hmm. You didn't know that, did you? All right. No. So yeah. this is what happens. So Ram says, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't take you back. So Sita, you know, tells him exactly what she feels about this. And she says, this is very wrong. And she says, okay, all right, you go back. And then Ram is like, okay, you can stay with Sugriv or you can stay with Vibhishan. They'll take care of you. She's like, I don't need anybody to take care of me. And she says, light a fire. I will step into the fire. That is what I choose to do with my life. So it is not Agni Pariksha. It is her saying, I'm going to live and die on my terms. But see how we've changed it? We've changed it as to you know, she was made to do Agni Pariksha and then she came out. And when she steps into the fire, the gods come and they say that, you know, you are pure, you are, you know, the, you are the best among women. And they say to Ram, you should admire her, you should accept her and, you know, you should happily go back together to Ayodhya. So we have so conveniently managed to water down some of the actually very empowering aspects of our epics you know just to suit certain needs and wow I really didn't know that I mean uh, you know club Sita and camp Sita like go Sita <laughs> I would absolutely say to the young women of India please be like Sita but not the Sita that you're being given in popular I don't know shows or whatever be like the original Sita she was strong and she never compromised Absolutely, absolutely. We are almost at the end of the chat and I hate to do this because I would love to go on and on with this chat. But very quickly, if I wanted to understand from you, uh, you know, your book contains a very beautiful quote from, uh, you know, by Amrita Pritam, 
uh, when she says that there are so many stories of partition that are not written on pages, but on minds and bodies of women. And uh, it is no secret that in contemporary India, we see the kind of upsurge in of violence on women's bodies till date. So yes. what, what would be your final parting message uh, to young women in, in India who are probably grappling or struggling to find a voice of their own? I would say, be careful, because that's always a good strategy. Be careful and come together. Together we are strong. But you can't speak up alone because then it's dangerous. Then you'd be targeted. But if large groups of women get together and speak out against these things, then there is power and safety in numbers. And I would say this not only of the young women, but to the older women also, that you have, many of you have reached positions of power. Now use that. So once you decide you're going to mobilize, bring all the men that you know, the good men, the ones you know, they wouldn't want this. And I would think that any thinking man, right? Any courageous thinking man would agree that this is something worth doing. So I really would love for that to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. With that note, we thank you once again, Chitra Banerjee Divakaruni, for doing this chat with us. It was a delight to have a conversation with you. Thank, thank you, you so much. You had such wonderful <laughs> questions. Ah, thank you. You answered them so poignantly. And that was this episode of News and Views with Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni. Follow us on Instagram at The Quint and tell us what you want us to talk about next week. Follow us on Instagram at The Quint and tell us what you want us to talk about next episode. And check out our website, thequint.com, for more groundbreaking reports and videos. This was Oindrisha and I'll see you in the next one. News and Views is a Quint original podcast, executive produced by Shelly Valia and Ritu Kapoor. This episode was hosted by Oindrisha Mitra, produced by Prateek Lidhu, and edited by Anjali Palod, with theme music from BMG. And a special thanks to our guest, Chitra Banerjee Devakaruni. You were listening to The Quint's podcast. 